Today on the Starting 11 podcast, we talk a title race that keeps on heating up, United's unbelievable run under Solskjaer, and discuss the dumpster fire that is currently Toronto FC's offseason. All that and more coming up on the Starting 11 podcast. Welcome to the Start 11 podcast, a brand new podcast breaking down the latest news in the football world. I'm your host, Justin Borrow, and with me today is Peter Robinson. This is my favorite part of the week, I have to say. Me as well. I'm just happy to talk. <laughs> and Chengiz Khan. Did you know that the famous cigarette company Lucky Strike got its name after the fact that they put one joint in every 1,000 cigarette packs? That is a lucky strike. So every, every so often, some people got a lucky strike from time to time. You can definitely quote me on that. That is definitely true. <laughs> I just want to know where you find this information. It, it That's classified. Boggles my mind. <laughs> it's classified. <laughs> All right. Chenge supplied us, as promised, with the cider of the week. Yes. What are we drinking? It is my turn to be the alcoholic in amongst the three of us. We are drinking today Grower's Cider Bartlett Pear, a 100% Canadian cider brewing company company cider company whatever it is one of my newest favorite ciders that i've had because i'm mostly a cider guy usually i usually just drink magners uh okanagan which i will bring at some point but it is a little bit sweeter so fair warning um but this one's quite nice it's not as you know hoppy it's a lot smoother it does kind of have more of a uh, a juice texture almost in the sense it just it, it's more like a fruit juice than it is a you know like a traditional hoppy cider um i just like the way it tastes and yeah. it just it's a lot it's just there's so much richness to the flavor it's good it's i i don't like cider i really don't <laughs> but <laughs> i find that most ciders to me taste like wine and i'm not a huge wine guy they kind of have that i mean that fermented taste to them uh, sure, yeah, I can see that. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah. Like, most apple ciders to me, they taste um, like like a wine. Mm. Whereas this one here, like you said, tastes more like a juice. Yeah. It reminds me of like Welch's like, grape juice. Yeah. Um, even though it's pear. So, but this but one, it's, it's, it's definitely good. not as sweet as a typical juice. Yeah. It just has that kind of level. Like I can I can get fucked up on this in the, in the, <laughs> in the summer. No problem. no problem. There are three more cans in the fridge. It's really good, actually. I really like it. I can see where you see the... Uh, comparison between you know really light white wine and a cider because um, technically it's the same thing it's just different ingredients mm -hmm. different fruit yeah and one has alcohol <laughs> <laughs> all right guys but we are here to talk about some footy so let's dive right into it Chengiz Liverpool they were up 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 and now Manchester City is crawling back City defeated Arsenal 3-1 this weekend a hat-trick by Sergio Aguero it was a lackluster performance by Arsenal, to say the least. Um, I mean, you must. This must be a, a, a truly a, a never unclenched moment this coming is, for you guys. Uh, well, I'll get to the Liverpool ramifications in a second, and I'm sure we're going to talk about the game today as well. Um, this is the first time I've actually sat down to watch an Arsenal t uh, game properly since Emery took over. I sort of had the Arsenal Chelsea game in the background whilst doing other stuff. Um, but I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm all in. Let's see Arsenal take some points off City. Man, that was an optimistic <laughs> thing to think. Um, Arsenal, you know what? I see the ideas in midfield. I see the ideas 
in attack. I don't see the ideas in defence. For me, I thought Licksteiner was a good defender because I knew him from his reputation at Juventus when he was a very solid. Uh, Mustafi is a World Cup winner with Germany. But, and that's about it. And that's a, But that's it, right? Like, what I saw them today, they don't know how to work as a unit. There is no leadership along that back line. Koscielny is a good defender, I think. Um, but he's not a leader. Not in the same way I look at Van Dijk or, you know, some other top-class centre-backs, which I can't think of because Van Dijk's the best centre-back in the world. Don't at me. Um, no, it was just... It, it, they were, a, sh- they were sham- a complete shambles. And you've got that whole game, they had Lacazette and Aubameyang pretty much isolated. I think in the first half, they, they, they had some good chances, they had some good flow, they had a lot of good movement with uh, Kolasinac and a little bit with uh, Listiner going up on the right side, but not a whole lot. Um they were missing a link from attack to midfield. I just wonder what kind of player they would have. If only they had that kind of player. Sitting on the bench, maybe, you know? Sitting on the maybe bench, he's a Welsh Adrian. wizard just sitting on the bench, just waiting to go into the game. Or, or he's, a, he's a German person being paid £350,000. But, you know, Arsenal don't have that kind of player. <laughs> no, not at all. No. And I think one of the biggest issues as well is that uh, Unai Emery has not seemed to s- have sorted out his starting eleven yet. Uh, every week, we got a different squad coming in. We have a different formation. I feel like he hasn't... Um, the formation he has been playing doesn't fit Ozil. Uh, this past weekend, he played a 4-4-2. Ozil really wouldn't fit into that kind of formation. Um, so, I, I mean, he's still trying to work out his squad, but it, it's showing, and, and they're really slipping fast. I don't think they were ever in top-four contention because Wenger did not leave a top-four ready team. He left last season. What was he in? Fifth? Sixth? Um, sixth, yes, I think it was. Um, so, Emery's main job this year is to is to have stability, is to, is to establish stability, establish a formation, establish a system. He hasn't done that yet, in part because I think of the personnel he has at his disposal. There, there are some serious holes in that side, not least all across the back line now that Bellerin is out for the season. You know, I like Kolasinac, I like Koscielny, I don't think Mustafi's good enough for the Premier League, hands down, not even in, as a mid-table centre-back. And I think Lichsteiner, to sign a 35-year-old to, you know, to come in in case of Bellerin who gets injured quite regularly, it would seem. Like, I think this is the second major injury in, in, in two years or three years. You know, and he, he stays out for a period of time. So you need somebody who comes in who can be that sort of linchpin in right-backs, you know, that for that rainy day. And Lichsteiner just isn't that. And then you have the midfield conundrum. Ramsey is off to Juventus. Ozil is not being played. And... Yeah, they've got they've got issues, man. When you're trying to be a Europa League team, because technically, let's be real, they're not going to make the Champions League this no, year. That's that's gone. So throw that out the window. Try to hold on to those Europa League spots. You have to you have to fend off Wolves. Wolves are playing pretty well right now. Um, so it, when you're bringing out a midfield of Guendouzi, Iwobi, Torreira, and Kolasinac, who's a defender. But here's the thing. I mean, they did play three at the back, three five two, I think it was for a bit, and then they went to a four four two diamond. I like Guendouzi a lot. I think he's solid. I think he just doesn't have the supporting cast around him, and I don't think the system's quite fleshed out. Torreira is their best player, <laughs> like by, by a long shot, aside from the forwards. He's the best midfielder. Kolasinac as a left wing back, yeah, it's tricky. 
I think I, I agree with you. Gwen Doozy has a lot of potential. Potential, yeah. So there's there's a lot there that they can work with. He's a little bit all over the place right now. Mm. I think he's trying to do a lot, uh, way too much. But that's because he, he he's unsure of what the other players are doing. There's no real formation. There's no real. There's no chemistry. No, and, there's and, absolutely not. And he's young still. I mean, he's he's only 19 years old. Um, he'll be 20 in I think what a month, yeah. give or take. So it's or a couple months. So I mean. He's still super young, but um, they haven't beaten a top six side away since 2016. And what? I, yeah, 2016 since they've won an away game against a top six side. And look, if you're fighting for Champions League, you need to to pull results out of those games. You yeah. need to be winning uh, or at least drawing. Like you, you can't. It's bad. I mean, Arsenal have not looked great. Uh, and I, I mean, well-deserved win for City, especially after the uh, the loss to Newcastle midweek which had um, big ramifications as well, as you know, because they could have been ahead of Liverpool right now um, yeah. if they had won that match. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that was that was sort of a blessing in disguise for, uh, for Liverpool. Um, My few takeaways from this game, Bern Leno, world-class, absolutely world-class. I think it could have been more than three if Leno hadn't been in goal. Uh, so hats off to Bern Leno. Um, and also Sergio Aguero. Uh, we were talking earlier. City bought Sergio Aguero for $35 million. Obviously, we, we extrapolated that into today's dollar, which is about $75 million. When you think of the likes of Harry Kane going for $200 million, is the reported uh, asking price for someone like that. He's a steal. He scored over 150 goals for City. I don't think, I don't think Aguero's value is ever in doubt now. No, absolutely He's, not. I mean, he did win the what was it? It was the first season, right? He won the Premier League. Uh, yeah, and I think he had that uh, that call that we always hear. So <laughs> yeah, it's so memorable. Money well spent. Good ears, you in the intro. Money, yeah. money well spent by City, but yeah, like Aguero still has it. He's still one of the best strikers in the world, let alone the Premier League. Yeah. And kind of have what was that? Twice in two games, he's found the net in under a minute. And and I think. I think that all of his goals um, in that game, I mean, his combined yards away from goal uh, was like less than 10 meters. So he was he was right there on the line, like just kind of ready to put them in. Um, so he's just being in the right place at the right time. Uh, and he's delivering. And I, like you guys said, he, it's a steal for City. And Arsenal have a really bad defense. It must be said. Very, like, very bad. For, for two of the goals you sold, the left, the right back, and this right centre back, so Mustafi and Licksteiner, doubling up for a threat on the right side. Like you don't need two players to deal with one on the right flank, unless it's like Leo Messi or Mohamed Salah or Eden Hazard, right? No, it's because they don't have any communication. They have no communication because there's re- no leader. When the centre backs are split like that, then you allow an Aguero or a, you know any kind of centre forward to just get in there and have a little tap in, you know. But that said, the goal was extremely well worked. Every defense would have had trouble stopping that. I mean, Owobi giving away the ball. What is he doing? Turning. Trying to turn on the ball. That, that means nobody's speaking to him. Nobody's talking to him and saying, get the ball the fuck out. There, there's two players on you right now. They're looking to steal the ball. Just get it out. Yeah, it was, it was a lack of communication, I mean, in that, at that point. And you're starting to see that a lot. Um, and they're just, like you said, defensively, they're not there. And they need to, to clean up at the back. I mean, when you have strikers like Obama Yang up top who can put the ball in the net for you, that's not your issue. The issue now is being able to keep balls out of your net. And that's where Arsenal really needs, needs work. Emery needs to, I think Emery needs to perhaps just concede a little bit of his stubborn ways 
if you see a kid like Iwobi playing out from the position that he did, he's under instruction to. Like anybody in, in Sunday League would clear that, they'd hoof that, you know, because that's a dangerous position to be in all by yourself with no support, no service. So if he didn't look to hoof it, I can only assume he was either overwhelmed by the occasion, in which case he really shouldn't be starting or the manager didn't psych them up enough, or he's under instruction to play it out from the back, which is a stupid thing to do against City who are pressing. All right, so let's jump now to the other team that has ramifications from that game. Uh, Liverpool-West Ham, uh, the game just finished a couple hours ago. Uh, it was a 1-1 finish, uh, goals from Mane and Antonio. Liverpool have now dropped seven, seven points from five the last games. five. And they've dropped points now in back-to-back games. There was the 1-1 the draw with Leicester midweek, uh, and now this draw against West Ham. I mean, the pressure's on for Liverpool. They're now only three points ahead of City, and this is a, a never-unclenched moment, I think, for you guys. <laughs> it's, it, what do you mean, never-unclenched moment? You know the first part of that phrase, never-unclench. I'm clenching in the off-season. I'm <laughs> clenching during the transfer window when the boys are out in America or wherever the hell they've gone, and Harry Wilson is just kicking the ball about with Ovie Ojaria. <laughs> I'm clenching then. No, but yeah, it's... You know when Klopp said when Klopp said multiple times, we're not looking at the, the title race, we're just focusing on ourselves, we don't know what the table is, blah, blah, blah. It sure feels like they're fucking playing like it. They are not playing like they're in a title race. I don't know, like, okay, with the Leicester game, it was their first game in 11 days, they just come back from Dubai, you know, and, and they came back into the middle of the polar vortex, which swept all of North America and most of Northern Europe too. And it was freezing, there was snow on the pitch, you know, make, of, make what you want of that whole debacle where they cleared the attacking sides snow in the second half but it was a hard surface to play on and you know you've come from 20 30 degrees celsius to minus three minus four it was always going to be rough um and so i i can sort of excuse that result but i can't excuse today's result we definitely looked a lot more up for it that's the good news lalana is a welcome addition back the officiating was horrible but then again this is the premier league what do you expect <laughs> well it was horrible but it went in it went in liverpool's favor it went in and, our favor and, and Klopp then, was still uh, mad at the yeah, end early <laughs> i'm mad at the officials for being crap we shouldn't have had that goal plain and simple would you say that the the pressure now is just becoming too much for a team that you know it's been 30 years since they've they've won anything like this uh, they're they're no. fighting like do you like that's the way it kind of seems to me because i mean you go the first half of the season or over half with just an absolute unreal run of form and now it just seems like it's kind of becoming unraveled and and Klopp seems to be kind of pointing everywhere to find an excuse for why as opposed to I don't think Klopp's pointing anywhere to find an excuse I think what Klopp's trying to do is manage expectations because that's the one thing expectations the reason we're having this discussion in the first place 30 years without a league we're in first place yeah of course you're going to talk about the title nobody at this club right now personnel or backroom staff has any experience winning a title with Liverpool. That's big because, you know, they, they, they're not burdened by history, by past results, by expectation. You know, that said, they don't have the experience of winning a title too. So it goes both ways. I believe Klopp when he says that we're not thinking about the title, because if you do, it is a great way to self-sabotage. I remember the 13-14 season when Liverpool had Suarez, Sturridge, Sterling, and that swashbuckling run to the title, which came down to the final day, that was the most roller coaster season in every single sense of the word because it really did feel like Liverpool weren't in control. 
they were just blasting their way through games. You score three goals, we'll score five. You score four goals, we'll score six. You know, we, we you know, three, there were so many close games, so many games that came down to the wire, so many games that relied on individual brilliance from Sturridge, Suarez, or Sterling, or even Gerrard at the time, that it never felt like a team was being made that would strike fear into the hearts of everybody at Europe. This Liverpool team does. Now, they're in a bit of a downturn right now. 13-14 was when emotions ran wild. This year, I don't feel that at all. I feel like they are definitely managing expectations. They're just trying to play within themselves and play one game at a time. I don't think this Liverpool team are, you know, feeling it as much as the 13-14 team did in, in, in any respects. That said, they have to be thinking about it. They have to be they have to be feeling something because the fans are definitely feeling something. Well, I think at this point it's 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 good to look at the fact that these last thirteen weeks are going to be an absolute roller coaster for all the clubs and uh, all the clubs that are in this title race. And speaking of that, let's jump now to the the sleeping giant of this race, which is Spurs. Uh, they beat Newcastle one nil off a goal by Hungming Sun. Hung Min Song. Hung Min Song. Hung Min Song. Episode 69 <laughs> on the Starring Eleven podcast. Justin butchers every foreign player's <laughs> name. We talked about how cultured I was last week. Do we have to just sit here and, and be. I'm me? really looking forward to the na- day you butchered Ji Sung Park's name. <laughs> United <laughs> legend Ji Sung Park. You'll say like Yi Sung Park or something. <laughs> All right, let's look at Spurs now. Spurs versus Newcastle, uh, a goal by Sun. Spurs just continue to pull out results somehow. Um, I mean, I know that there was a talk of them being a title contending team. That talk kind of died down once Ali got hurt, uh, Sun was gone, Kane got hurt, but they continue to pull out results. Sun is back now. They're still winning. Um, I mean, it's not entirely impossible that Liverpool and City bottle it and Spurs kind of come out from behind. It's not it's not gonna be yeah. You I have see to you guys see staring at me right now. But it's I'm not saying that it's likely. I mean, I think that it's fair to say this is a, a two pony race and it's Liverpool and City, but it's not impossible. If you look at the numbers, the points are there. The points are there. I mean The ball is round. <laughs> the ball is round. The ball is round. <laughs> Well, think about today, it. Today on Starring Eleven, water is indeed wet. <laughs> uh, let's put it this way. Spurs, five points off the top, two points off City. There's a chance. There's a chance. And obviously, Liverpool have to continue their trend of dropping points, which it could happen. Anything can happen. Let's put no, it that way. No, the world just says that's over. <laughs> it's it's not going to happen anymore. Just what, how many games left? 13. 13? 13 wins. Easy. I think Spurs have been really lucky. They've been really lucky. They got Son back at the right time. He saved them twice already since he's been back in his two games back. So that's amazing. Harry Winks, you know, picking up points. We talked about him a couple weeks ago. They're getting the right players to score at the right times. But how long until your luck runs out? And I think that's the biggest issue. I wanted to ask you this. is because there was a period of time just before our bad run of form for Liverpool where we weren't playing great, but we were hard to beat. And we relied on a few, like a one or two moments of magic to see us through. And Jordan Pickford being Jordan Pickford. England's number one, everybody. Um, so do you think that Spurs, you know, yes, maybe their luck will run out. But 
Are they hard to beat? Is that what's happening right now? I think they're hard to beat. Uh, the defense is definitely playing a lot better, having Alder Vireld back there full-time, Vertonghen, that partnership from Ajax days, Belgian days. Uh, they, they have a good chemistry. They definitely have the right kind of chemistry. That's what we're looking for. We're getting a lot of good games out of Danny Rose, which was something that we weren't sure we were going to get anymore. And uh, Kieran Trippier, he's consistent. Uh, set pieces obviously could be a little bit better, but he's he's playing consistently right now. Um, Sissoko coming back was huge this this match. Uh, he's actually been great at holding on to possession. And, and his passing has improved. It's amazing. We thought we paid $33 million for uh, you know, a dud. And then all of a sudden this season, he's, he's just had uh, a rebirth. I think somebody told him about the goal bonus in his contract. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he needs something, right? I'm sure Harry Redknapp uh, has a whole different, uh, yes. whole so, different look on goal bonuses. But. So um, one of the listeners of the pod, Chris, uh, he wanted me to ask at, or to bring up a point as well for you guys. And that is that at the same time, we have to look at this as well, is that Spurs have been playing away from home for the last two years, every game. Yes, okay, Wembley is their home stadium, but it's not the same. And I was talking to Peter about this before you arrived late again. <laughs> <laughs> but not as late as last time, ladies and gentlemen. Chengiz is fixing his punctuality. He's getting will, better. I will get up and leave. You know that I live in downtown Toronto. It, it takes two fair. hours to it get out of the damn city. It is fair. Peter oh, let's have this. <laughs> let's record this podcast at 6.30 on a Monday. <laughs> I don't see you offering your house for us to come down. Just that's because saying. my house is a shoebox. Because <laughs> you live in Toronto, but that's yes. a different argument. Um, but what as, housing prices? <laughs> but as I was saying, um, so, I mean, we have to also give Spurs a lot of credit because, I mean, this is a team that doesn't necessarily have a, um, a designated uh, home field yet. They're, we're still waiting for it to be built. And yet they're, they're pulling out results. They're, they're two points off of second place, five points off first. And I mean, they're, they're doing really well. So, I mean, I think that you have to give Spurs extra credit uh, in that regard as well. I find that a bit flimsy to argue. Why? Because it's been two years. You know, like the, the players would have acclimatized to it. The fans would have acclimatized to it. Is it the same as White Hart Lane? Absolutely not. But this team wasn't the same under White Hart Lane. They developed in Wembley. They've gone good in Wembley. So it's when they do eventually come back... Maybe that, that 12th man factor will come back. But I don't know, this is more of a question for Peter. Yeah, definitely. It's like I was telling Justin before we started recording. Uh, it's like living in a hotel. It's, it's a place to crash. It's a place to you know, call a home base for the time being. But it's not really a home. You're just waiting like, when can I get out? When can I get out? When am I actually going to have somewhere to live? Uh, hypothetically, right? When, this, when the stadium's finally done, it's finally somewhere that they can call home for the next 50 years. It's a billion-pound stadium. It's, it's amazing. If you've seen any of the photos, it's absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, right now, Wembley just seems like a hotel. The fact that all these events are going through Wembley all the time, the national team's going through Wembley, uh, the seats are all red. Let's also point that out. That's... I know it might not make a big difference, but it's a psychological difference when your biggest rival also has red seats in their stadium. Um, it's, it's little, but it makes a big difference. Do you know what else is in other people's stadiums? Round footballs. 
That's true. That's true. As well as a trophy cabinet. No. Oh. And the- All right, so let's jump now to uh, United, another team that's been surging through the table, uh, a team that was kind of written off. Um, are, you, are you able to go through this introductory bit without having a shit-eating grin? I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm just grinning because the cider is so good. It's actually, I'm already done. This is, this uh, is so I'm, good. I might need a second one. This is delicious. All right, so let's jump now to United, another team that has been surging up the table, as I said. Um, so they had a midweek game. It was a draw against Burnley. There was a lot of, I think, unnecessary um, shit thrown at Solskjaer for it, being like, oh, he's dropping points against Burnley now. He's not the man. It's over. But I disagree, and the point that I want to bring up quickly for that game is that if I am Edward Ward, I am looking for a manager who goes down 2-0 to a team like Burnley and can pull out a result in the final four minutes of the game. And that's what they did. I think it was like 85th, 86th minute, they were down 2-0. By the 90th minute, they were tied 2-2 and about and trying to go for the winner. I mean, they had a lot of chances towards the end of the match there. So I think that there was a lot of un, um, unwarranted shit thrown towards Solskjaer. Absolutely. Um, I also think that he did an amazing job. He, he managed to pull... Uh, the team, like I said, up and say, come on, guys, you can do this. And they did. They, they pulled it out. Um, and then on the weekend, uh, they beat Leicester 1-0. Uh, beautiful goal by Rashford, assisted by Pogba. Again, those two just, they're becoming a dynamic duo. Um, and it was nice to see Rashford. I mean, he he gaffed, in the, uh, he gaffed a chance against Burnley where he could have just kind of toe-poked it in, went way wide. Um, he kind of didn't have anything in that game. Then uh, against Leicester, uh, he had that heading, that header chance and just couldn't get his head onto it properly, sends it wide. But then to kind of bounce back from that, that pass from Pogba, he brings it down, places it beautifully. It, it, I think it was his 100th Premier League game as well. He's he's surging right now. And for a 21-year-old to, to be producing the way that he is, I think that he could, if he continues on this run, be, um, be United striker for the next, you know, Five, eight years. Well, he's certainly starting striker now, and that's huge. He's displaced Lukaku, which is amazing. But I think this, what this has shown is, is the value of confidence to a young player. For any other striker, a striker whose job is dependent on goals, goal bonus, Harry Redknapp, we have to bring that up at some point. At some point. Um, <laughs> as a young player, generally, you're, you know, to play for a big club, you've already got the weight of the world upon you. You've got so many different expectations from your agent, from your manager, from your parents, from whoever, right? And from the fans, certainly. Um, when you miss a chance as a young striker, you, you your thoughts could be anywhere from, that, that, that was hard for me to do, it's fine, inexperience, to, oh my God, my career is ending. For Rashford, because he is sky for high with confidence, because his manager believes in him, because the team believes him and trusts him to take those chances... He just can. He can probably just brush it off and say, "Okay, I'm a striker. I miss some. I, I get. I get some. I'm gonna miss a lot more than I'm gonna score. Hopefully, you miss 100 percent of the shots you never take. Right. And to go back to that, that old cliche. Hopefully, true. he puts yeah. away more chances than he misses. But that's just part and parcel of the striker. You have to throw the dice. And I think that's something that fans have to realize is that they're not gonna hit every single. They're not gonna have a 100 percent shooting record, not a 100 percent scoring record, and that's acceptable. There's a reason that the best strikers in the world don't have 200 matches, 200 goals. And they have 200 matches, say 100 goals. 50% is decent. Rashford, 
he's getting better. Well, Let's put it why, that way. This is why he moved to the Saudi League. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> a little gonna, bit easier down there. We're gonna get to that that bombshell in a little I w- bit. I wanted to ask you, who is who are the people who were lobbying unnecessary criticism at Solskjaer and Rashford? Was it United fans or was it other people? After after every game, I just go on Twitter and just kind of scroll through the feed. Yeah, well, there's your problem. See, I know. Well, Twitter's full of shitheads, but that's a different argument for a different Like day. us on Twitter, starting XI Podcast. <laughs> I think that's just being overly critical. He hasn't lost in 10 matches. But I think that it was coming because of how well he has been doing. I think it was sort of, there was there are anti-Solkshar people out there who see him just sort of as that that puppy dog filler, that placeholder, who are kind of just waiting for their moment to kind of lunge at him with their teeth, and this was their moment. They dropped points against a team that they should have beat. But that being said, Burnley, you know, Burnley have been in form. Unbeaten um, in six. Unbeaten in, yeah, like they, they were... They're a good side. They are a good side, and, and they had been playing well, and all credit to them. I mean, they they played really well. They defended mm. well. They, they, they took their chances when they had them. Um, they they caught United far too many times on the counter, and United just couldn't seem to to create anything around them. Yeah, I mean it was the the Pogba penalty that um that kind of jump started everything, um the the comeback at least. Uh, still shocked that he did his slow stutter step when they're <laughs> trying to tie the game, eighty sixth minute, well, and he still re- decides gonna do the slow you, stutter. You, you've got a routine, you stick to it, right? Like hurry up, son. Um, but that being said, look, I mean, this is a team now that has a lot to prove. Okay, beginning of the season, they were absolute shite. United or Burnley? Honest. United. Okay. Um, both. Both. Fair, <laughs> but both. Burnley are mid table. Bur- less to prove. Yeah. They are. Um, but you had a team now like United who had a lot to prove. Okay, they were shite at the beginning of the season. They were dropping points left, right, and center, losing games that they should not be losing. Um, and that's not the United way. I mean, United are are constantly a, a top four, top six side, and, and top two side. Top three side, maybe. I'm trying to be realistic here. I mean, top since, 19 side. Since Alex Ferguson <laughs> left, I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I they, ha, they have finished top two. I think last season they finished second. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, that being said, they're a team that, you know, if they do go top four, top six even, but any anything below that and you start to kind of really ask serious questions. So they're a team with a lot to prove and now they're only two points behind Chelsea for the final Champions League spot. I think they're going to overtake them. Um, it, at this point, I mean, this is a team that is revitalized. I've said this multiple times under Solskjaer, and I, I really think that you have to give him the job at this point. He's doing something right. There was a... It's no longer dumb luck. At this point, he's doing something right, and they can pull up results against PSG coming up, against Liverpool coming up. I mean, at this point then, there's there's no more questions about it. There was a piece by The Telegraph, I don't know if it was a recent one or, or a more recent one, where they came out with the story that Mold SK, who Solskjaer left to take over uh, United in on a temporary basic. They actually said to him, "Go to United, have fun, and don't come back." And it wasn't more. It wasn't like a good riddance thing. It was a you know you have our blessings sort of thing. Go, please succeed. I think Mold are going to be fine if he leaves and and he takes the job full time. I mean, for an interim manager to take twenty. Five out of a possible twenty-seven points. Is that a record? Uh, it's, it's probably pretty close to being a record. It's a United record for sure. Yeah, and then then you factor in the other thing, right? Is United have I think close to City as you know the biggest wage bill, the definitely the most expensive eleven, and it's not even close. 
and just a generally quite balanced side. I'd say your defense is probably the weakest part about it. You don't have a world-class defender in there no, at all. No question. But you have a world-class keeper. You have two or three world-class midfielders. You have a world-class front line. Why shouldn't this team be in the top three? It's a fair point. Um, we do not have a world-class defense whatsoever. But what I have noticed... Um, watching United under Solskjaer is that they are a lot more cohesive now, a lot more confident now. Um, you're seeing the midfielders get back a little bit more, um, getting involved in the defending. Uh, they're communicating better. They they just, I feel like there's this swagger about them, this confidence that says, look, you know, this is now who we are. They're, they're scoring again. They're playing the attacking football they like, and therefore they're defending more cohesively. No, the defenders themselves are not world-class, and they've, they've shown a lot of... Um, there's a lot of patches or holes that they need patched up, I should say. Um, but that being said, now that they're they're working as a unit, you're seeing that they're 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 able to see out results now, which is huge, right? This they're playing a brand of emotionally charged football too, which really suits United because that's what Ferguson did, and then he brought the the calculation to the emotion. So even your one nil draws were exciting. <laughs> one nil draws. Well, how much more emotional do you get than the 1999 <laughs> Champions League final? And you have the... Oh, yeah, that was a 1-0 draw, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have Solskjaer, who's the reason that they won that Champions League. It's, that was an emotionally charged game. And now, all of a sudden, you have that manager bringing that emotion into the team, making them actually give a shit. They didn't give a shit under Mourinho. Another, the last time we saw this kind of football was with Ryan Giggs being interim manager. He knows what it's all about. Yep. And I think that's what they needed was they just needed that boost of somebody who, who understood the culture of United. And I don't think Mourinho was that person. Uh, and so, you know what? Moise definitely wasn't that person. <laughs> nope. Van he was Gaal. Scottish though. That's got nothing to do with it. close <laughs> enough to first. Van Gaal was not that person. Uh, <laughs> th- there's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of kind of hit and miss uh, since Fergie left, but you know what? This is a great, um, a great step forward, and I'm really excited to see uh, where United go from here. And that's going to do it for part one on the pod. Coming up in part two, we're going to look towards TFC and drop some bombshell news for you guys. Do we um, have to? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we do. <laughs> All that and more coming up on the Starting Eleven podcast. Hey, everyone. If you like what you hear so far, please hit that subscribe button and leave a rating and review to let us know your thoughts about the show. We would also love to hear from you, so please feel free to send any comments or questions to the starting xi podcast at gmail.com. That's the starting xi podcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at xi podcast. Now, let's get back to it. And welcome back to part two of the Starting Eleven podcast. All right, let's talk a little more local football here with Toronto FC. So we told you guys last week that we were hoping there would not be any uh, devastating news to share. However, we were wrong. Um, Sebastian Giovinco has now officially been sold to Saudi Arabian side Al-Halal. Uh, for a transfer fee of between two to three million dollars. Uh, the rumored salary, I think, is eleven million dollars per year on his contract. Toronto FC are now currently in the middle of a dumpster fire. Um, That's an understatement. <laughs> understatement, to say the least. Uh, I mean, at this point, they're just kind of burning it all down, Peter. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, let's let's look at it this way. You're selling your best player, your franchise's best player ever in Javinko. Two to three million. Sure, 
it doesn't matter what the re- return you get for a 32 year old uh who you know was a good MLS player didn't really make it in the Italian league so it it's it's a fair transfer fee to me i have no problem with the transfer fee i have a problem with management so this guy wanted to end his career in toronto he loves the city his daughter was born here all he wanted to do was get term on his contract and they weren't willing to offer that he sold more jerseys more tickets more fucking concessions i don't know what you could say he's in the seat he sold everything toronto fc was looking for and all they did was toss him into the dumpster See you later. I don't necessarily buy that now that I've calmed down <laughs> from the whole saga. Because I agree with you. I don't think selling Sebastian Javinko was a good idea. It's, it's club's best player is not even close. That said, he came here for the money, not the culture. He was sold a project. He was given the best salary in the league. And then his agent shopped around and found one for nearly double that. So should we have really been surprised that this happened? Cengiz does have a point here. Uh, when he came to Toronto, I mean, he was not sold on, on Toronto at that time. He was sold on being told, hey, listen, you're sitting on the bench for Juventus right now. How would you like to be the highest paid Italian player in the world? And, and he took it. And that's what he was. He was being paid more than Daniel De Rossi. He was being paid more than um, Jean-Louis Buffon. He was... Pirlo at that time. Pirlo. He was being paid... Then He was the highest paid Italian player in the world playing in the MLS. And you know what? He did great things for the club. He came here. Uh, he did took his... Great to things the, for the league too. For the league, for sure. He raised the status of the league. But I mean, for Toronto FC as, as a club, uh, as a culture, I mean, he raised it to, to proportions that it's never seen before. Um and he took him. He took TFC to their first, um, their first playoffs, uh, to their first MLS Cup final, and then to their first MLS Cup championship and their first treble win. And you know, people online would love to cite the fact that his output had diminished over the last two years, especially during the championship season compared to the first two years. That's some hearty revisionism, if ever I saw one. Because even if his output was lower. We scored less, we created less those last two years. The team was just generally not as prolific. So obviously, his stats were going to be lower. Now, could a case be made that he's in decline? Absolutely. He's 32. It happens. It's natural. It's natural. But his decline is still better than everybody else in the squad put together. Well, that's what we were just talking about was, okay, he got Josie Altidore there. His future is now still uncertain. Who else do you have? You're looking at Jordan Hamilton. Osorio. I mean, Osorio for the mid, but I mean, really, who do you have to kind of play up top there? Uh, Noble Akello. <laughs> Ayo- oh, I think that's how you say his name. Ayo Akinola. Like, I mean, you know, possibly going to be a great talent, but the kid's I mean, why worry? Because Oro's going to bomb up the right flank as a right back, and he's going to do the Trent Alexander-Arnold thing. It's fine. We have our own Kyle Walker. What's your, what are you worried about? My issue with this whole thing and this whole Javinko saga is that management didn't have the foresight before we got to this point to sit him down. I, I, obviously, I don't know what happens behind closed doors. But to sit him down before last season started and say, look, Gio, we want to keep you until you retire because you mean a lot to this club. You basically made this club into the world-known club that it is now. You know, we went to 
the CONCACAF Champions League final. That, that's amazing for a club in, in Canada of three main clubs. It, it's amazing. And the fact that they kind of just said, you know what? No, we don't give a shit. We don't, we don't want you here anymore. I, I understand the whole, I want to go where the money is. But they could have offered him what he was asking for. Because at the end of the day, let's be real. This is MLSE. They make more money on the Leafs, the Raptors. I'm not going to say the Argos because they hemorrhage funds every single year and destroy BMO Field. I mean, but we, we also don't know how the MLSC operate because they've been notoriously opaque about these sorts of things, right? They don't, they don't really, they're not very forthcoming. I mean, but let, me, let me just make this point on behalf of the MLSC, not that they deserve it at all. You don't give your employees a raise when you're hemorrhaging money. No, I don't mean a raise, but they could have, I don't think he was asking for a raise. I think he was asking for more, which is warranted given what he's achieved. But, but after the, last year? But still, it doesn't matter. He's brought them in MLS championship. I get that. I get that. But I don't think he was asking for more. But I don't think last season, even if he was asking for more, I don't think last season is, is a great um, oh, it's not. It's a great viewpoint because no, no. they only played with their full squad, I think, like crazy number like 13 percent of games yeah you miss vasquez you miss altador you miss drew moore almost the whole and with, season when without those those people i mean you're not giving Giovinco the service that he needs i mean he had ozo there with him but that was it i mean he was missing the magic of vasquez he was missing this the, the partnership with with josie who you know was able to get in there and feed him that ball so for the numbers he put up um with what he had and for what he was playing with it's hard to say that you know he was in decline. In my opinion, he's still putting up numbers um, that exceed expectations. He didn't play in this. He didn't play in this formation that suited him. I think what a lot of people online want to want to forget is that that three five two was was new. It wasn't. A, it was it was a system brought in out of sheer necessity because we had like an eleven full of injuries, and then when our eleven came back, he stayed with the system which I don't get because the system never worked to begin with. It was lacking a lot of fluency. It was lacking a lot of uh, structure. It was lacking, like we didn't have the personnel to pull that thing off. You don't play 3-5-2 with average players or subpar players, which is what the majority of the Toronto FC squad is, with no disrespect to anybody who plays for it. It just didn't work. And my biggest like confusion out of all of this is if, like, okay, fine, we've had a really bad season, I get it. You need to change something. The first thing thing that goes in this situation is the coach, not the best players. What's going on there? Honestly, I've I've said this before. I'll continue to say this. Greg Vanny is a puppet, and I will continue to preach that until the day he's fired. He's got some m- amazing dirt on whoever's involved. He he has to. Other that, other he's either doing that or he's pulling a fire fest right now, and <laughs> they need the water. And that's how he's keeping his job. Well, okay. It seems like we're at the uh, the cheese sandwich. The part. cheese sandwich yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. W- think about the season ticket holders. Yeah. This Who are we going in to watch now? We just paid all this money in order to have our season seats, and not only that, but if we don't want to go to the Champions League game, the round of sixteen Champions League game against a team you've never fucking heard of in your entire life, at the end of February. Outside, at BMO Field, we had to give up our right to our seats for the quarterfinal, the semifinal, and the final. So TFC as a management group is trying to rope you in to paying these exorbitant amounts in order to watch a team that 
Doesn't have Javinko. Doesn't have Vasquez. Won't have Altidore because he's out for a few more weeks now. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to watch? We're going to watch TFC 2. I might as well pay 10 fucking dollars and go watch the mid, wherever the fuck they play. Downsview Park? Lamport Field, yeah. MLSC have a very sordid history of charging people ridiculous amounts of money to pay for, to, to watch absolute mediocrity. Leafs much? <laughs> I really hope we don't turn into another Leafs. And that's my, like that's my, my biggest gripe with, with Toronto FC's ownership is that the MLSC cares all about the money. They don't give two shits about the fans never have never will and as season ticket holders uh for toronto fc you know they're they're j- after the season they had last night at last uh last year to jack the prices 60 percent was for most people for most <laughs> founding members, <laughs> fucking dick <laughs> but to jack to jack the prices uh you know our tickets went up 60 percent uh and thankfully we were able to get um, seats closer and for a better price at that point, but um, through a friend. But it was just to, to go up sixty percent. I was paying almost an extra one hundred and seventy-five, extra two hundred and fifty dollars this a season after the shit we saw last year, and it, it just it wasn't good. Like it, no. that you can't do that stuff. My big question is, who are they going to bring in? And that's the next, yeah. and that was the next question we were going to go to is is now you know there has been some discussion that they're looking at a DP in his prime. Very little information about who it could be or, or who it is. Uh, you had mentioned a name. Uh, so Sofian Hani was one of the guys that they brought up. He's playing for Spartak Moscow right now. Not He's a not DP in his prime. No. Definitely shouldn't even be a DP. I'd say maybe a TAM money. Uh, the other guy was Terrence Boy playing at Darmstadt right now in the second division of Germany. Not a DP. Another TAM, uh, another TAM guy. Daniel Sturridge That's was the name, name was that was for. thrown around. <laughs> As a DP, I wouldn't spend DP money on him based on the fact that he's always injured. Why are we going to bring in another Josie Altidore well, when he's, he's always injured? He's always injured because he's trying to run. He doesn't, he doesn't need to run in the MLS. Well, I mean, I'd say the MLS is more of a overall athletic league than the Premier League. Perhaps, yes. I'd, I'd, when it comes no, to strikers. Actually, no. No, I disagree completely. I mean, when you look at who scores majority of the goals... In the Premier League, like Joseph Martinez, he's fast. Yeah. He jumps as high sure. as I've ever seen anyone jump in my life. That's more athletic than a big target man. Yeah, We've no. seen big target men say Alan Gordon back in the day, Danny Dicchio, obviously. My, my, we got to send shout outs to 2313 23, Danny Dicchio. <laughs> my point was more just that the quality of striker and perhaps maybe a little bit midfield has definitely improved in the last few years in MLS. Defense has stayed the same. Daniel Sturridge is somebody who likes to find, who likes to pick the ball up and then perhaps dribble or do a couple of things with it, or he'll find the space, or he won't come in behind anymore. Those days are gone. But if he's playing in a league with defenders who resemble snowmen, then he's going to have a field day. And, and I was saying to Peter as well, Daniel Sturridge is somebody who brings name value as well. Absolutely. Uh, you bring someone like Daniel Sturridge in, that's the equivalent of, of a Jermaine Defoe coming in, of a Sebastian Giovinco coming in. Yep. I think actually even more so than Sebastian Giovinco. I, I wouldn't call him prime, though. I don't think Sturridge brings more name value than Giovinco. But, but Giovinco was... It's close. It's close. I mean, Giovinco was a, was a big deal when he came in, but I mean, he was, he was playing on the bench for Juventus. He wasn't getting a ton of time there. He was, um, you know, he was he was known, but he he wasn't somebody. I mean, now you're looking at an English international um, who's got a ton of caps for the national team under his belt. Uh, you're looking at a guy 
who's got a ton of experience playing in the Premier League. Um, so I, I think in, when you say Sebastian Javinko to me when he came in a couple years ago, you know, I was like, oh, okay, guy from Juventus, great. But you tell me Daniel Sturridge, I know exactly who you're talking and about. And you're more you know excited I mean? because Javinko was a bit of, he was Italy's forgotten man. Mm-hmm. But he was, he was kind of a diamond in the rough at the time. Whereas Daniel Sturridge, I think he's not getting transferred from Liverpool. He's getting transferred from Merseyside Hospital. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> That's my issue with it. He's playing on a bunch of different services in some very hot conditions, some very cold conditions based on the fact that we start the season in March and now we go all the way to November. It used to be December, but now to November. It's going to be a little bit different. You're playing on AstroTurf. But he does have a huge incentive to come here. The fact that he is actually going to play? That and Drake. Uh, I guess Drake, like, as well as Universal Healthcare. I, mean, I, th- I guess they have that in the UK well, as well. I follow, so. I follow Sturridge on Instagram, and he is big into NBA. He's big into North American culture. He's a big sneakerhead. He'd fit right in here, honestly. And I think, I don't know if you put Sturridge and Josie on the same team, though. That no, doesn't I, work for me. I don't think so. And I think just because he likes North America doesn't mean that he's necessarily a good fit. Yeah, but he, he'll, he'd consider it. But you have to also think about the fact that Josie could, Josie could be on his way out as well. We don't know if there's yeah, something Yeah, and, and I would, I would trade him right out. Now, so Man, I Josie mean, could be out tomorrow with all we know about this management And I, and group. I would take that. If, if I knew Sturridge was coming in, I'd ship off Josie. Well, they're the same player. That's, the, it's the same player. Almost. I wouldn't say the same player, but I get what you're saying. They're yeah. both big. They're both tech, not technical, but Sturridge is more technical. Josie's a powerhouse, but they're both equally injured. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, but I'd take that trade. If, if that was what was lined up and we knew, is Sturridge a for sure thing? I, this is the first I've heard of it because none of the Liverpool journals have said anything about it's it. It's a rumor I've heard sort of thrown around. Okay, uh, if there was, I think it's more just, you know, a hit and hope than anything else. Yeah. If if that was the name, like shit, I'd be reporting that too because like I mean I haven't heard it from any official sources. Right. Let's put it that way. But if that was the name, I'd be very excited. The Javinko thing would hurt a lot less. Yeah. But the thing Agreed. is, at this point, it's all talk. It's all big names and big promises. And Jesus Christ, we've all been there with our respective clubs. Let's throw one more thing out here. So Terence Boyd, the guy they're signing from Darmstadt, I looked him up. Because, obviously, TFC supporter, I need to know what's happening with my club. So, TFC management, if you're listening, we need to know what's happening with our club. Transparency. We are investors in your club. Yep. We need to know what's up. And we need a better answer than, uh, yeah, Javinko wanted more money than we wanted to give him. So, we sold him to Saudi Arabia. Or even worse... Uh, Javinko's just gone to a doctor. He's having some leg tightness. He's yeah, back that's in training all it tomorrow. Is. Okay, that's oh, boom. It. By the way, uh, midnight. Let's just drop the bombshell yeah. that he was sold to Al Halal. I told you. I was said in the pod. You did. It was his medical. You did. I told you. I called every, it. Go back and listen. Every club does that, though. But I'd rather you say nothing at all. And I get no, every club I, does I, it. But I'd rather you say nothing at all. Don't don't feed me bullshit. Sure. Be more transparent. And if, you, sure. and, if you're, and if you're not in a position to be more transparent, then don't say anything. But if you bullshit me, then I'm not going to trust you. I think, how am I supposed to trust you when you come out and say that, oh, Javinko wanted more money. He, he wasn't willing to negotiate for the sake of the club. I don't buy you any. I don't buy that anymore. I agree. I'm going to look at Javinko and say, you know what? Maybe this guy's telling the truth now because you guys have been nothing but bullshitters. I agree. I, like this, but there's definitely two sides to this story. Like oh, Javinko absolutely. definitely moved for the money. There's no doubt about that. I think Toronto FC, MLSC, whoever it was, they might have been well within their rights to 
change something. And Trevenka was the casualty. We don't like it. What I don't like about any of this is that the manager hasn't said anything. That is a big problem for me. The manager manages the club. He manages expectations. He manages the off-season. He hasn't said anything. What's going on? Why is he still there? Why isn't he saying something? I think... So, sorry, just to go back to Terrence Boyd. He played six games in three years. What? A torn ACL. Played six games okay. in three years. Six games? Six games or 16. I don't know. But regardless, that's absolutely not unacceptable. Not, not a lot. And especially if we're going to spend Tam on this guy, not good. Uh, also, what I'm kind of going to throw out there is that I remember when they signed <laughs> giant air quotes Tal Ben Haim. They, oh, yeah. They Christ. even put it on the website that they had signed Tal Ben Haim. He was never in a TFC shirt. He was never in training. Nothing. I lost absolutely all trust in the club at that point. Because if you're going to announce something... Make sure it's a done deal. Make sure it's right. At that point, I can't trust you that what you're saying is actually what's going to happen. And that's exactly why when they said, oh, yeah, he's going to see a doctor for muscle, muscle tension. Yeah. I was like, bullshit, he's going to see a doctor. Bullshit. This is the Saudi Arabian doctor that happens to practice in L.A. that is doing the medical for Al-Halal. You know, That's exactly what it is. And now they can't transfer Van der Weel back to Europe because the window is closed. Exactly. So they, they have, have to find to... either an MLS suitor. Or somewhere else. Or Mexico or something along those lines. I have Now, do you guys see any way that tensions cool down and Van der Weel stays with the club? Absolutely not. No. If not as a player, but... Like in some other, do they? Do you think they he say it was want, a misunderstanding? He, no, 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 no. You said there was an actual physical altercation. You don't come back from that. Not in any line of work. I think reason I'm asking is because he did post something today. He was at the the, the training grounds. Yeah, he's the, probably training alone. That's he's still happens. a player. He still has full access to the facility while he's under contract until they terminate his contract or uh, transfer him somewhere else. He's still he's uh, frozen still out. Toronto basically, player. like it's like what we did with Lazar Markovic, mm-hmm. who finally found a firm at Fulham. Finally, finally, <laughs> he can actually um, get a game somewhere, assuming he's fit. But yeah, no, it's Vanderweel isn't playing for this club again. I think in order to ease tensions, Toronto FC have to be transparent. The manager needs to say something. They need to make us okay. This is what we have planned for the season. Bear with us. If they said just that, bear with us. We'd all bear with them. Mm-hmm. But right now, because of the history with TFC management, because of the history with the MLSC, who just don't care, they only care about profits, nobody has any faith in this team. And that's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. Honestly, it's disgusting the fact that the fans have absolutely no idea what's happening three weeks away from a Champions League round of 16. No, not even. They, they play their first score, game before, before they play at Because their, their home leg is February 26th. So, and it's probably going to be a week before that, that they play um, the away legs. So it's, yeah, we're looking like what. two weeks away. I'll he doesn't you. even know what the starting 11 is. No. They lost to Las Vegas. 5-1. And to and come they out... Had, they had Mavinga, Aro, um, Bono. They, um, they had this... They had a... Full squad. They had, they had, they had I think, a six of their players in that, in that side were starting 11 players. And then Vanny comes out and has the audacity to say... Oh, you don't play preseason games to win. You know, you play to train to get better. I'm sorry. It's technically true. It is true. But when you have six of your starting 11 losing 5-1 to a USL side, that 
No. That's that's his morale is low more than anything. Like you get out there to build confidence, especially this close to the Champions League starting. Yeah. You need to be out there demolishing these teams. Realize, like when you're losing five one to a to a Las Vegas side in the USL, at that point, how are you going to to go and play uh, Independiente? in two weeks now your confidence is going to be shot because you can't even keep up with this usl side right now with half your starting 11 in there last thing i'll say about this is i'm hoping to find something to justify the inherent optimism i have about dfc i don't see anything right now but i want to be optimistic mlse does not deserve this fan base as flawed as it is it does not deserve this fan base well they're gonna to have to bring somebody in that makes them forget about Jivinko. That's what they're going to have to yep. do. And I, I, I hope they do. Uh, as a TFC fan, I really hope they do. I hope they bring somebody in that makes us kind of go, fuck Giovinco, go to Alhalal. We're good now. But I, I don't see it happening. Let's be completely honest, though. When Atlanta brought in Joseph Martinez, we had absolutely no idea who he was. They brought in Miguel Almiron, absolutely no idea who he was. They turned out to be great players. Miguel Almiron obviously now sold to Newcastle. Atlanta also have Tata Martino. As coach, and we have he's, Greg Vanny. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. miles apart when it comes to, uh, you know, class of manager as well as the style that the manager plays. But just to, just to uh, bring out Justin's point there with Greg Vanny saying that preseason doesn't matter. To me, that's a Major League Baseball answer where the Blue Jays will consistently be, you know, they'll win two games in, in the preseason, then they'll come out and finish above 500, which is great for the Blue Jays with the division that they play in, for TFC and for footy in general, you have to score. You have to win. How are your strikers going to get any sort of legs underneath them if they're not scoring goals? Scoring goals in, in training doesn't necessarily equate to scoring goals in games. And all that game did was show us that they can't score goals in games currently, or at least for that match. So we'll see what happens when it comes Champions League time. But I don't have a lot of optimism that they're actually going to do well. That they're actually going to even go, go past the round of 16. Well, that, that game against Independiente is going to be... Um, that's going to kind of be the looking glass to look at this team with. See what starting 11 side he puts out. Because of the team that they're going to be playing, I don't know if it's going to be a, a full squad if you know what i mean like i think he may bring some of the youngsters in to get some of that champions league experience but then he's just throwing it away to be honest he's just throwing it away you have to especially as toronto fc if you want to win your fan base back you have to win that round of 16 for sure you have to go through the quarterfinals you have to win your quarterfinal match mm -hmm. they have to give it a go they have to get some confidence back from their fan base if you don't win that round of 16 the supporters are going to say well what am I doing? Why am I supporting home. this team? Mm -hmm. Because they just sold all our best players, and now they don't even have a, a want to win in the Champions League. And it's not like we have decades of history and success to draw back upon, right? No, I think we have, what, two years of playoff time? Uh, both can... of them we made the finals. One we won. Which of both of you, both of those seasons you can write off as a fluke in five years now, things haven't changed. I just don't want to go back to the dark ages. Fingers crossed that we don't. All right, boys, we're going to leave the TFC talk there for now, and we're just going to quickly jump over to our penalties for the week. Okay, my take of the week is a good one. I think everybody can agree with this, that this is a good one. Crouchy, <laughs> back in the prem Crouchy. with Burnley. Crouch. God, I love that man. 
he doesn't make any sense. He's 38. He's six foot million. He's got, you know, just the lanky. He, he's got legs to make an Instagram model jealous. <laughs> but he's, my, ti- he's timeless. But he is such a character. He's such a presence. And if that big, lanky motherfucker scores against <laughs> us, I will stand up and applaud. I just loved their uh, the reveal video where they had the little robot yeah. rock, yeah. rocking. That so was hilarious. Good. So good. They're getting really good at these reveal videos. Yeah. I uh, come, to come to Besiktas. Come to Besiktas. <laughs> Speaking of which, Kagawa. Yeah. Besiktas. Amazing. And my miss of the week is everybody's favorite weird FIFA career mode by Arda Turan. Remember him? <laughs> No. <laughs> okay. Well, he is from. Well, he's currently contracted with Barcelona on loan at Istanbul Başakşehir. Am I saying that right? Probably not. Yeah, they're Basha- a big spender right now. Başakşehir. Yeah. Okay, sure. Um, so he allegedly attacked Turkish singer Birkin Shahin following a failed attempt to pick up Shahin's wife. Hilarious. <laughs> on October 10th. Shoot your shot. Shaheen alleges that Turan walked up to his wife and said, You're very pretty. If you weren't married, I wouldn't let you get away. The husband, Shaheen, came over and interjected. Turan allegedly started a scuffle, and the ensuing altercation left the singer with a broken nose. So Turan punched a guy or somebody's in the face, a Turkish singer in the face, because he couldn't pick up said singer's girl. All right, but All right. serious question. Did he send a bulge pick? No, he was in the club, though. You should have just shown her the bulge. Just showed the bulge right there. <laughs> All right. No, no. Okay, pick. but, but th- this, this is where it gets better. Turan went to the hospital where the singer was, where he was recovering, to apologize. And he did it in the most, how can I describe it? The most Arda Turan fashion. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Bring it on. He offered him a gun and told the singer repeatedly to shoot him in retaliation. Wow. <laughs> Shoot me if you want were his words that he said over and over again. And obviously Shaheen turned what? it down because like, yeah. what the hell? Which then led to Tehran taking back the gun and it went off accidentally. No. Room. Nobody got hurt. But That's a Gilbert Arenas move right there. Oh my God. But basically he's been charged. He's been given four charges by the Turkish authorities. At least it could add up to a 12 year sentence for Arda <laughs> Turan. Who, and then he was fined 370,000 euros from his club for behavior and attitude, not compatible with the club's ethics. <laughs> That's one way to put a it. A little bit. That's yep. the one way to put a it. Bit. So listen, if the moral of the story is keep it in your pants and don't be Arda Turan. <laughs> by that, he means your gun. Keep your gun in your pants. And also, don't hit on married women's. Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah. that too. You know, just, yeah. just, that's just. Oh my god. Oh man. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna start off with uh, my take for this week. So my take for this week is uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer coming out and saying that football manager is your friend. <laughs> so <laughs> you learn how to be a manager based on football manager, which is hilarious because that's how we do it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes him, you know, a regular guy, regular Joe. <laughs> You know, because we scored Champions League winners, too. Um, <laughs> there, I was telling you guys the story before. There was like a second or third division club that hired their manager based on the fact that he yes. was a football manager champion. I don't know how that worked out. I don't think it did. I mean, but uh, he's now Eddie Howe. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> That'd be funny, though. <laughs> uh, and then my miss for this week is 
we talk about VAR and how good VAR is going to be for every single league in the world. And then we go to the uh, Aves uh, Boavista game in the Portuguese Liga. Um, so Aves defeated Boavista 3 0. Um, they actually scored an offside goal, and the referee allowed it because there was a big fucking flag. <laughs> That blocked the VAR camera, <laughs> so they couldn't see that their third goal was offside. I don't know if it would have made a difference at that point, but regardless, yeah, watch the FA ban all flags from every game. Yeah, no more supporters groups. Everyone has to sit. No more safe standing. No nothing. Uh, VAR needs to see. So yeah, that's my miss for this week. That Thank you, Avesh. Ah, uh, that is awesome. All right, so my take for the week is the best striking duo in the Premier League right now. Everton Black Cat and Lester Pigeon. This was just a wild weekend of uh, wow animals. Just <laughs> there was a kangaroo in Canberra too. I suppose, I suppose Arthur Turan does fit the description of animal quite well. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's fitting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They're all over the world now. And uh, my miss for the week has to be uh, so after Mourinho was sent on his forced vacation by United, uh, he somehow ended up in Russia. Uh, this yeah, because that's where everyone goes after they get fired, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, he was doing the ceremonial puck drop at a KHL game and just absolutely ate shit into the ice. <laughs> it was and glorious. It was, I loved it. It was phenomenal. I watched it five times. Can I Can I just say, though, <laughs> you know, like he has, um, I'm sure Abramovich is quite fond of him, right? Roman Abramovich, Chelsea owner, because he brought him back to the club twice. Um, you know, if you have a billionaire's yacht to cry on, wouldn't you take it? Yeah, but it's a billionaire's yacht in Russia. So what? So the ice is all frozen right what now. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's central heating on the Russian yacht. <laughs> That's, it's, he, frozen, he's, it's frozen in the water. Heats like, the, uh, what is it, the Red Sea? Is yeah. that what's there? Yeah. The Dead Sea? The Red Sea, definitely. Yeah. Um, but would you, would you rather cry I'd in, rather, in your living room or on a yacht? I mean, he's Portuguese. He could go lay on a beach in portugal no, that but that's too, too cliche yeah i guess so. he's a man of taste yeah and and corrupt money that's true russia's perfect then yeah <laughs> fits right in <laughs> he might also be angling for i don't know dynamo kiev's job i don't know who where, where uh, could he go that would be in point? the ukraine yeah. but by the way it's just <laughs> ukraine i had a ukrainian woman tell me i hate when people call it the ukraine Really? Oh, kind of like the Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> don't call it the Spurs. <laughs> but, just Ukraine. Yeah. So Our, the the or the Toronto FC. The oh, that's about. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Any football club that has SC in their names just is an absolute fail, right there. Soccer club. I hate so that. So SSC yeah. Napoli. No, like no, 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 no. SC for soccer club. All yeah, right. Okay. Like yeah, Columbus. Yeah. yeah. What does SSC Napoli stuff for? Just SSC Columbus in general. <laughs> yeah, Columbus. I is... think it's sporting... Some... Sporting club. Um... SSC, sporting social club? Let's oh. go sporting... Sporting sailing club. Hang on, I'm wikipedia it right now. <laughs> Napoli sailing club. SSC Napoli. <laughs> yeah, because whenever you see... like, like I Societa think like... Sportiva Calcio Napoli, which is, yeah, basically sporting club Napoli. All right. And now we're all better for that information. 
So the, more, the more you know. The more you know. And that's going to do it for us here on the Starting Eleven Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please leave a rating and a review with your thoughts about the show. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at XI Podcast. And feel free to send your questions or comments to the Starting XI Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll try our best to answer them on the pod the following week. And until next time, on behalf of Chengiz... Subscribe to PewDiePie. (laughs) Peter. 10-point gap between Spurs and Arsenal. And myself. Cheers, and thanks for listening.